0: If you feel that life is just giving you more than you can handle, please realize that you are not alone. Welcome to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out with your hosts, the founders of Abba Daddy House, Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We're here to listen and provide help for you and others. At last, you have a place to speak out and be heard. Now, here are your hosts, Annette and Myrna.
1: Welcome to Daddy House Girls Speak Out. We are so excited to become part of your life and you become part of ours. Knowing this kind of relationship takes time. We plan on being around for a while and we invite you to come alongside us. We have a cozy little chair sitting right here just for you. So let's scoochie. I'm sure in the in the dictionary somewhere. So let's just scoochie on in and get started. I'm Annette Smith. And sitting right next to me is my partner
2: and my best friend. Our desire is to provide a platform for those of you who can't speak out or feel like no one's listening. How about those of you who feel that no one really cares about you or that you even
1: exist? Annette and I want to be your voice. That's why we're doing this. Feel free to join the conversation by calling one 888 eight, eight, one, one, during our live show on Fridays from right now, 11 to noon Pacific time. All 1-888-346-9141 right. eight, eight, one, one, or after our shows, call one 962 7384 and we'll give you those numbers a little bit later too so don't worry about if you didn't get in written down or you can email us at abadat house 7 at
2: gmail.com and we could probably get the answers to that on some other show
1: okay and we also want to we also want to add another um, for the united states it's the suicide hotline and that is 1 800 273 8255. Again, that is the suicide hotline for the United States. 1 800 273 8255. So that's all the nuts and bolts of things. Let's get down to what we really came to talk about. I've been in private practice practice as a, a licensed marriage and family therapist for 23 years. 17 of those years, Annette has been my ministry partner. She holds a certificate in Adlerian Psychology and is a lay Christian advisor. It's kind of like um, I'm not a mechanic, and I don't even pretend to be a mechanic. When my husband works on things, because he's done, he's, a, he's our little mechanic around here, and um, I'm the gopher. I go for this, and I go for that. And I push bolts. And she pushes bolts. <laughs> so we all work on it. But what I think of a flywheel. I know one time... When we lived back in Kansas, there was a flywheel that he had to replace in some vehicle. I don't remember which one. But there was gears. And Annette and I are kind of like two gears where we work together. You know how when two gears, they have teeth and they have slots. So as as they move, the teeth fall into the slots of the other one. And it creates a smooth running machine. Well, professional training... And our life experiences create that gear, those two gears, and it, it runs smoothly. And that creates a unique healing experience for those who are in contact with us, whether they're in our office or whether we're in their homes or this is something new, whether they're on the phone with us. And those gears are actually oiled by God and oiled with our tears. Our hearts hurt when we hear a child's tragic story of abuse and and our hearts hurt when one of our clients decide to um, commit suicide We had a guy in Wichita,
2: Kansas that oh he was a client for quite a while,
0: and
2: he 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 became kind of close to us, I mean really close to us, because he was an awesome man for one thing, and we got to working with him quite a while that he ended up having pet names for us, and his pet name for me was Sunshine. Well, we thought he was doing really good, and I left to go see my granddaughter, and I thought everything was cool, but on the way coming back home, I got a phone call from Myrna that he was out, and the cops were on waiting to try to talk
1: him down. He was going to kill himself. and and it was it was actually it was on a mother's day, and um and the cops were unable to do that. and this this man decided to um, commit suicide. And the reason why we tell you this story is because one of us attempted suicide three times. That was me. Oh, okay. And we're going to hear Annette's story later on, and and you'll understand some of that. You know, our hearts hurt when adults, teens, and children reveal the emotional pain they, they experience from being bullied. And yes, adults, we get bullied. We've been bullied. People have tried to ruin our reputation by telling lies and gossips. Adults, we get bullied. And you know what? As children, when we get bullied, in whether it's elementary, middle, or high school, we carry that woundedness from people bullying us into our adult relationships. So, we all get bullied. That's the kind of world we live in. And our hearts hurt when children share the fear of, of their parents fighting or the fear of their parents getting a divorce. And unless we address this fear again, it affects our adult relationships. And you know what? I think about when I was raising my daughter mm-hmm.
2: and my, my son. Yeah. And the, the times that I, I wasn't a perfect parent. I mean, I was so dysfunctional. I think about the times I Bullied my kids. That happens because you know when you talk to your kids in a in the dysfunctional manner, or when you push them around when you shouldn't have, that's bullying your kids. Okay. Do you mean pushing them around physically? Physically or mentally. Okay. So because talking to your kids, not talking to them like they're smart or they're intelligent or they're that. The are mean-like. Okay, you know. whenever you're mean. You're, when you're not loving to your yep. children, you're bullying them.
1: When you're mean, you bully. Okay. Yes. You know, and our hearts hurt when families come in and they are actually looking at each other as the enemy. Our hearts hurt with that. Now, you know where your heart hurts. You, ex- you know exactly. We know we, You know, there is so many other scenarios that we could say. You know, after 23 years, we have lots of scenarios. But you know, you live with you, you know where your heart hurts. So, what I want you to do is, I want you to think about right now just one specific place, because we all are wounded, one specific place where your heart really, really hurts. Just think about that. All right? We hurt for you, our hearts hurt because we care. You know, we'll talk with you and we'll give you the hope you need. Now, Please allow us the opportunity to share with you how God turned Annette's curse of abuse and darkness into a blessing. And these are excerpts from the book we wrote um, that was published in 2012, I believe. And the name of the book is Turning the Curse into a Blessing. Um, And this can be found on Amazon and on Rose Dog. And in the book, her perpetrator, when we wrote the book, her perpetrator, her brother, um, Arnold, was named Bill. But he has since deceased. And so we will um, we will refer to him as Bill now, but in the book we want you to know that um, we will excuse me we will refer to him as Arnold now. In the book we refer to him as Bill. So um, Annette, kind of start sharing some of how you came to where you are now.
2: Well, I grew up in a family of six kids, and my oldest sister and my younger sister and my twin brother and i were the close closest one in age and so we pretty much grew up together then there was my brother arnold which was the oldest and then my other brother
1: how older how how many years older was arnold arnold
2: and, and my oldest brother was i mean my next the oldest brother was about 10 and 12, Arnold was 12 years mm-hmm. older than me. Okay. But my next, the oldest brother was the one I was really close to of my brothers, because, besides my twin, because to me, he was the one that I wanted to talk to to tell him. He had left to go in the services.
1: Okay. And, and so you felt, he felt like. Was he was my hero. Right. And he abandoned you, and you couldn't tell him. Yeah. Okay. okay.
2: Well, I, I don't think he knew he was abandoning me. Okay, but my brother
1: Arnold, um, he would he would come into your room. He would find places where he could abuse you. Yeah, he was very crafty at at any, any opportunity.
2: The one abuse I remembered as child from a childhood was the the one where he. Uh, I, I was in um, the bathroom, and I was watching a tornado go down in the tub. And from when I drain it, yeah, and then he uh, came in my bathroom, and I just remember the Vaseline okay. and all that stuff.
1: So that's the that's the only memory you have of him, yeah. of the abuse. Yeah. Okay. So besides the pain. Okay. Chest. So um, we're and so what happened. As, as you grew up and you got married, did you carry a lot of that anger and that darkness? Yes. Why don't you read a poem right here um, about that? I wrote this at 10, 12, <laughs> 99. Sometimes
2: I feel so empty inside. Sometimes I feel so very lost. Sometimes I want the end of pain and the pain, no matter what the cost. Sometimes I feel lost and angry. Sometimes there's nothing at all. Sometimes there's too much rage away I want to crawl. Sometimes I need to feel love. Sometimes all I feel is fear. Sometimes life is so mixed up. That's why I cry a tear. Sometimes I know it will never end. Sometimes I really don't care. Sometimes I don't know who I am. The pain is a lot to bear.
1: And when we come back from break, we're going to start getting really in-depth conversation about all that anger and all that pain and how Annette's mind dealt with all of that abuse that Arnold put up on her. So we will come back from break, and we will get really digging into Annette's past. We'll talk to you after break.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4 verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit Abadaddyhouse.org. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call one 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette.
1: Welcome back. You know, when we went to break, we were talking about Annette's pain and the anger and how we're going to get into this and how she's going to, how her. As an individual, how she as an individual um, handled this pain. So, Annette, kind of push us on up to you tried to commit suicide three times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm so glad that that wasn't that didn't happen. I guess God didn't want me to. Talk. I guess not. Kind of talk to us about what led up to that,
2: and um, well, I grew up. I got married. I had two children, okay. two mighty fine children. Yep, but of course, with all the dysfunction, because I I had a lot of blanks in my life. I mean, I didn't I didn't remember going to school. I would talk to my sisters. After I got married, I would my sisters and I would talk. My baby sister would remember things from her childhood that I didn't even remember. <laughs> so I'd say that couldn't have possibly happened because I would remember that.
1: Okay, and
2: so, so they'd think I was crazy when I'd say, no, that didn't happen. That couldn't have happened because I didn't remember. So how did that feel? I felt like that I was – something was wrong in my head if okay. I didn't remember things that Darla, my baby okay. sister,
1: could remember, but okay. I can't
2: remember. And so –
1: So, was there other markers in in your life that you thought, this isn't right? (laughs) My glasses, glasses, my eyeglasses. Uh I'd wear them to bed because I'd read or
2: look at something during bedtime. Mm -hmm. i wake up in the morning, they wouldn't be there. Where would they they be? i blame my daughter for hiding them. Okay. And she'd say, what would I want with your glasses, Mom? Okay. And I would say, well, I put them on my nightstand at bedtime and they're gone. All right. Well, then you must have hit a mom. Or I'd find myself in different clothing than what okay. I put on in the morning. Or I'd find myself at somewhere and i how did I get here? All right. So there was just
1: really jumpy blanks and... and yeah, letters written in green ink. Okay. That's not in my handwriting. All right. Yeah. Article of clothes that you didn't remember buying, buying that would not be your style. And I thought my okay. daughter was doing things to make okay. me look loony.
2: Okay, well. She told me one time after I'd gotten divorced and she'd gotten married that, oh, I remember when you'd come to my school in a, in a no bra on, bedroom slippers and rollers in your hair. I never left the house. You wouldn't do that? Yeah. No. Okay. 336 pounds would draw more attention to myself.
1: Right. So- right. At one point, then, you isolated yourself in your house. You didn't go out. You yeah. went to doctor's appointments, and every once in a while, church, but church was iffy because of the men at the church, right. because you were afraid of men. And so I then you— would wait
2: so men wouldn't look at me.
1: So how'd that work for you? It didn't, <laughs> right? Right. So, um, So then you kind of gave God an ultimatum.
2: 30 days to heal me, or I'll take care of it, and this time I'd do a good job of it. Well, you tried three times, so number four was going to be it, huh? Yeah, you can't bypass a gun, can you? Oh, okay. But all I, right, I had a gun because
1: I worked at the sheriff's department. Okay, so you already had, you had the you had the I had the, the means, means, and you had the want to. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty red. That's some red flags. Okay, so you gave God thirty days, and what happened? Um, I thought. God
2: was going to take me out because you give God an ultimatum, ultimatum, and, and you know, Dad was like, God was like my dad. Okay. You know, he was mean, and if you said something like that to him, he would take you out. Okay. So I thought I didn't have to do it; God would do it. But instead, God subpoenaed me to a
1: court case. How could God subpoena a person? To court. Okay. So, oh, wait, wait a minute. You you hit on something really important that I don't want to bypass. Is the fact that you oftentimes, guys, we view our heavenly father the same way we view our earthly father. So, like with Annette, she viewed her her earthly father as someone very very mean, very not able to be talked to or with, and um, and very negative. And so that's how she interpreted God. Would be in the Bible when when it talks about fearing the Lord, that she literally feared the Lord instead of respecting. Instead of respecting, she had fear for God, not respect of God. When so go ask my fam, my
2: my brothers and sisters, when it says in the Bible, fear the Lord.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, ask them what they God means by fear the Lord.
1: Yeah. Every I Every one of them will say the same thing. Be scared of him. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you got something in the mail. I said, you need to jury duty. All right.
2: And guess what? Five days sitting in this, the room where they wait to pull you into the box. Five days sitting in a corner away from everybody because there were so many men in that, that that room. So I sat in a corner by myself. And then the fifth day, they pulled us into the box, 12 people at a time. Okay, so you got into the jury box, I in got the courtroom. Into the jury box. And I watched as as some of the ladies would say, I was sexually abused. Not one man said that.
1: Really? Just women? Both well, women. Okay, but there this was has been about, a while. Yeah. Yeah. Me- but I still remember it as a yesterday. Okay, but I'm talking about men probably wouldn't have admitted it, even if. Yeah. They, and we know that men get sexually mm-hmm. abused, but go ahead. Well, I, uh,
2: I uh, said, wow, I've never admitted this to anybody. I talked to counselors a lot of times, but I wouldn't talk about that. But I thought, I can say this, I can do it, because these girls got released just by saying they were sexually abused. So I will. I cried when I said it, but I finally said it but I didn't get
1: released. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Had you ever admitted that before? No. You've never spoke those words. I have been abused. I did to one counselor. But
2: I didn't I didn't get healed from it. Okay. They worked with me and they were good counselors. And one of one of them put me in the hospital. Okay.
1: But you have but that was I have been abused. Right. Okay. So then what happened? she asked me
2: to stay in the box because she was going to ask me some more questions, and she did. And when she got to her third question on me, it was, tell me how he abused you. I blew up.
1: I jumped up. And this was the prosecutor attorney that asked you that Yes, she was the one that asked us the questions. Okay. And she,
2: first the, the perpetrator, which was already guilty in my mind, mm-hmm. because men are guilty, you know, they're all guilty well, at that time.
1: At that time, you thought that, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Well, his eyes got bigger than silver dollar. She pulled her podium back, and I headed straight for her. And then the judge, I could hear him say, "Take her to
1: my chamber." Chambers. Mm-hmm. So wait a minute. So how much did you weigh then? Because you've mentioned it earlier. I weighed 335 pounds, and I don't know if I jumped out of the
2: box or flew out of the box <laughs> or what.
1: So, you, you were coming out of that jury box, and you were headed towards the prosecutor who was trying to protect herself with her podium. You were headed towards the, the defendant, and the judge said, take her out of the courtroom, and you don't remember any of
2: that. No, I don't okay. remember anything besides him. The judge in the chambers handed me a piece of paper, and I left. Okay. I remember reading the paper, and it said I was dismissed. Dismissed from jury duty for the rest of my life as long as I lived in Kansas. Okay,
1: and then there's blank spots in how you left the courthouse, and then you... I, I and, remember
2: holding that paper to my chest. I don't remember going to the garage. I remember... Um, I do remember g- getting to the door of the, the where you go out from the garage, and I remember Bob almost sitting in a the car. Then I remember being at my friend's house,
1: and... Her calling my pastor because you were going to commit suicide. Yep. And so your pastor called me, and then you called me,
2: and you told me that you were in your bedroom slippers. I tried to tell you I didn't need to come see you. That passed, and you said, "No, no, you'll go to the office." My pastor picked me
1: up, and we ended up at your office, and we got to go to break. So, well, before we go to break, I want you, I wanted I want to tease you guys a little bit. When Annette came to me, she described herself as having, she described herself as her purse, meaning she had lots of room and lots of compartments in that purse, which was very interesting. But you know what, Annette, before we go to break, I just wanted to, I want you to share what you thought about me when I first walked out of my office. I think people need to know this. I wasn't afraid of women, but counselors.
2: You know, when I sat on, I told Pastor Dennis, I said, I'm, I am got 30 days. And when you came out of your office, I looked up and I go, well, there's a quack if I ever
1: seen one. And you know what? Now we're quacking together. We are, aren't we? Oh, yeah, you look quack. <laughs> and we've quacked for 17 years. Yeah, but you took me in your
2: office and I thought, I don't know how much this is going to work. But you know what? Something worked. Something worked. Uh, I didn't kill myself, no, did I? No, God didn't kill me either. That's what's so amazing to
1: me. He didn't, did he? No. Wow. And, and Annette describes herself in, a, in another poem in the book about her crawling inside herself. So I'm going to go ahead and read this one. Oh, well, Annette wants to read it.
2: This one was something that I do today, even. As the pain and hurt would always come in, I had to find a place to hide from all that sin and I lay on that cold hard floor knowing he would hurt me some more. As I close my eyes so very tight, I crawl in way out of sight. As time went on, I did not I didn't come out to be used by him move about. This hiding place is very dark inside. It's a real place I feel I can hide some. Day, maybe I'll learn to feel again this sinful battle only God could win.
1: When we come back from break, we're going to talk about how Annette, in her mind, created different people to handle the pain that Arnold and others placed upon her. It's an awesome story. And you're going to meet through the book and through our talking four people that um, helped her through this horrific childhood and and i'm going to explain to you what i mean by i can still go to that hiding place it's a healthy hiding place yeah okay we will see you after we will actually won't see you we'll talk talk with you after break
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4 verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbadaddyHouse.org. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to House 7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette.
1: okay we are back and we hope that you are back with us when we when we left for break Annette was talking about the ability at today to um, and we're t- we are actually telling you a little secret here so, <laughs> we'll so, tell them how to do it okay but she still has the ability to crawl within herself and we're gonna explain all of that to you but um, it's a mind power thing and and
2: and they teach you to do biofeedback mm-hmm. is what it's called. Yep. And I learned it as a child through pain, through having pain in my life forced upon me. It's a healthy thing to do when you go to biofeedback. The thing about my ability to do it is I take it farther in. When... A doctor gives me a shot that's going to be so painful that they want to give you lidocaine to deaden the pain. I don't need the lidocaine because I can go inside myself and not feel that pain. I can numb myself to the extent of not feeling any pain at all. And that's going too far for a normal person.
1: She, in the poem that she wrote, The Hiding Place, and that's what she does in her mind. She goes to a hiding place in her mind. I can
2: look at the world through my eyes, but I don't have to feel anything. That When I went in to have the surgery on my shoulder and arm, um, the doctor has to stick a, ne- a needle in my neck to numb in my arm before they put me to sleep, and he wants to give me laticane for that, and I told him I don't need the laticane. The anesthesiologist looked at me like, well, it's crazy. I said, I don't, I don't use lidocaine. I don't like lidocaine. So he gave me the shot in my neck, and he said, it was awesome. I never even flinched. I go, that's because I wasn't there.
1: <laughs> okay, so what we want to do is now we want to talk with you about four persons who lived within Annette's mind. And then we're going to do the clinical stuff so that you can understand it better. it was crowded in there. It was, wasn't it? (laughs) All right. We're going to talk to you about the little girl who was afraid of everyone. And believe it or not, we have a poem. (laughs) I was a good poem writer. She still is. A poem about the little girl. And this was
2: written in the book, Stars Stars in in Our our hearts. Hearts. And I got a writer's award for this one. It's called Trapped. A small little girl needing to be free, trapped in a body bigger than me. I tell you to love me and not push away, but the distance gets wider each and every day. I hate to wake up and see my world again. Being trapped is not a nice thing to live in. People say they love you and try to be nice, but walk away from you with a look as cold as ice. The ones you trust and should hold you close are the very ones that will end up hurting you the most.
1: And this person is a is a small child and and her name is Pain because she carries a lot carried a lot of the pain and she was actually located kind of on the left side underneath Annette's ribs. And Annette would rock this child. She didn't know that's what she was doing until later. We'll explain that. But she would rock this child to sleep every night because this child was so small and so hurt. And I'm rocking while I'm telling the story. Um, I got close to some of these. Um, oh, well, I got to close to all of these altars. Oops, let out a name. All right, so this was Payne. Another one, he was he was the competent one who controls all the others. And he had a nickname of the gatekeeper. And his little writing that he wrote was, I control all that we are and will be. I have to, because the little girl in here is so hurt, she cries all the time. The angry one will hurt Arnold if we let him. Anyone can hurt Annette or use her if we let them. Or if we weren't, we're not here to protect her. Try to understand, we are the only ones that love her. We are safe now. And his name was Big Ben. He always wrote in green. And um, he controlled Okay? He was the one who controlled all the others, and he tried to control the angry one. And, Annette, there's one um, that the angry one wrote about the court. the court. This is the one who flew, jumped, or however, got out of that jury box, went to the prosecutor, went towards the defendant, ended up getting dismissed from jury duty for life, for Annette. This is what he said about it. He said, I know what made me run in court.
2: You know, if I didn't run, I probably would have hurt that
1: man, the defendant. The anger, the rage wanted, wanted to hurt him. Okay. This person is called Johnny. Johnny is a guy.
2: <laughs> Johnny was uh, an angry one. He, he was angry at me one time, thought I was going to go take and go see Arnold in jail. And he didn't want
1: me to go around him, so he gave me a black eye
2: in the middle of the night.
1: Literally, she got a black eye. <laughs> so one of her personalities that she created in her mind because of the trauma gave was was trying to keep her from going to see the perpetrator, Arnold. And he thought he could do that by harming her. So how would you like to wake up one morning and have a black eye, and then later learn that um, sh- that you gave it to yourself? Okay, so we have pain. We have Big Ben. We have Johnny, and then we have the one who didn't like to be touched and who often spoke for the little girl. She spoke for her pain, and um, she actually wrote a poem about Touch Me. The pain of life has imprisoned me. Don't touch, just leave me be. This is what I feel out there. I need help and someone to care. I long for a touch so very bad a loving touch I've never had. I'm so alone in this dark place, longing to feel a gentle face, but to touch brings great pain. Alone I sit crying in my pain. Please try to pull me out of this. To you, God will give an angel's kiss. And this is one of the poems that that, um, Mimi, and that's her name, Mimi had written me after after therapy had begun. So all of this began a relationship between God, Myrna, Annette, Payne, Ben, Johnny, and Mimi. Now, let's get on the clinical part, all right? All right, so this is called dissociative identity disorder. It was called several years ago MPD, multiple personality disorder, okay? DSM-5, it's DID, and it results from trauma, usually some type of abuse. In Annette's case, the trauma was sexual, physical, emotional, and and her mind was, able, was unable to handle the horror, so she created a personality in her mind to hold the memory of the traumatic event. All right? So, you have trauma. You can't hold it. You your mind can't fathom that. So, you create a personality to hold it. The personality is, is referred to as an altar. All right? So, the altar functions as a whole person, yet originates in the mind. And this is what's awesome about our God. In his sovereignty, you know, he created the mind. And he created some people's minds the ability to survive by allowing that person's mind to split into other parts so that, uh, so that they have the ability to survive. Okay? And those parts hold that trauma. So, um, so if this were not possible, that person most likely would have died as a result of that trauma. So God, God saves us in so many ways. God created Annette's mind to split off, so that those personalities can hold that memory and hold that pain. All right, Annette, what was your first and only memory of the abuse? It's the one I told you earlier that, about the bathtub. bathtub yeah. So, we believe that people who are diagnosed with DID are unique individuals with unique trauma who have chosen a new, and a new, new, unique way to survive. Okay? Unique individuals with unique trauma who have chosen a new, unique way to survive. There's hope in healing. We know. We have lived it. Nothing is impossible for God. He created the mind. He can heal the mind, and he did. So, Annette. All right, we've already talked about. You didn't know you had DID. No, I didn't believe in DID either. Okay.
2: I thought people faked that. All right. So how? Did That's you- the reason when you when when I came into your office and you told me that I had that, I I laughed
1: at you. Mm-hmm. Was I still a quack then too? Huh? Yeah, at that time you were. All right, so. How did you find out? I knew you were going to quack at me. <laughs> How did you find out you had
2: DID? Well, um, you had to record me, and then have me watch it because I, I wasn't going to believe it okay, by so your words.
1: Okay, so um, we did a video tape of the of the session, right? And so that's what she means by record. We videotaped her sessions, and then what? And then you made me watch them. All right, so or you had me watch them. Right. You couldn't make me do anything. No. So what I, what we would do is we would videotape a session. When I saw that she wasn't, she needed proof. Um, we would videotape the session. The following week, she would come in an hour before her scheduled session, and I would set her in another room, and she would watch the, the taping of the previous week's session. So, what did it feel like um, as you watched that those yourself? Because she had it when I. I knew an altar was coming out. She would roll her right shoulder. And that was a signal to me that an altar was getting ready to present. How did it How did it feel to sit there and watch yourself?
2: <laughs> when I first watched it, I thought, that can't pick me. And then I looked at my clothing. I looked at the show. I thought, those are the kind of clothes I wear. And I thought, I can't deny it. That's me. But they didn't act like me. But... With uh, all the things that went on in my family, I knew that was, had to be the answers to all the questions, because my daughter and I had differences. My husband and I bro- split up, and it was because of that. That answered a lot of questions for me. It answered why, why I had all those blanks in my life. And why, why my daughter and I are a strange was a strange relationship.
1: It answered why your daughter would accuse you of having a filthy mouth, mm-hmm. of cussing. Mm-hmm. It answered a whole lot of questions. Yeah, it was like putting all of the puzzle puzzle pieces together. Yeah,
2: and and my daughter and I, when she even grew up and got married, still didn't have a relationship. It took a lot of work to get our relationship back together. And even I have a best friend in Kansas that tell me things I used to do. I didn't know I did them. Like jumping out of a car when it was moving.
1: Mm. <laughs> see, do you understand how, how confusing and how abusive her life was. And you know what? We are getting ready to go to break. And when we come back from break... We're going to talk about how Annette got to know each personality because she was disconnected from them. She obviously she didn't know she had different personalities. <laughs> I was disconnected from life. <laughs> so when we come back, we're going to talk about those, how she got connected to those personalities because you have to do that in order to get healed. All right? And there's actually some funny stories that we'd like to, a couple of funny stories we'd like to share. Um, and, um, and if any of you guys out there have questions, you can call and ask yes, questions. Yes, you can. We'll be available, okay? And, or you can email us, and, and you, um, the spots are there, that, um, that the numbers, and the Abadaddy House 7 at gmail.com is available. So we will talk with you after break. Again, how Annette got to know the personalities and some funny stories. There's always humor. We will talk with you after break.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4 verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Abba Daddy House7 at gmail.com. Now back to Myrna and Annette.
1: Hi, hey, we're back. Are you guys anxious to hear some personalities? <laughs> and find out how she got to know them. So how I got healed. Exactly. So Annette. How did you get to know each personality? Remember, we have Payne, who's a little girl that kind of like resides in Annette's left side, kind of curls up. You know, when you cuddle a baby, that's kind of like the way Payne was. And then we have we have Big Ben, who is the, the big gatekeeper, the controller. We have Johnny, who carries the rage and the anger. And then we have Mimi, who doesn't like to be touched. All right, Annette, how would you get to know him?
2: Well, Big Ben, I want to read something from because that was kind of made me laugh. It was funny. He says... I am real, even though you don't know me. You have to look hard to find what you can't see. I am here to keep things straight. She calls me the gatekeeper, the keeper of the gate. Oh, this is probably real true, because that is what I try to do. I am here, and my name is Big Ben, big enough to fight and big enough to win. Excuse me, I don't mean to be rude, just didn't want to think didn't want you to think of a little a small little dude. Big Ben was funny even though he was um, serious, mm-hmm. and he wrote that not too long before he was before I was healed from him, and I would write to the to the altars notes because I didn't I didn't feel them most of them I didn't I I would go away when they were out and I didn't know they were out except for by having filmings so I would write to them and wait for them to write to me and I'd kind of be cool conscious to find out when they were here because Mm -hmm. I
1: never thought about them before that's how I got to know them so they would correspond in writings and um, she got to know each one through that and do you have any funny stories about the altars? I know I have one Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, Annette had went to a support group of um, support group for sexual survivors, sexual abuse survivors, and um, I get this phone call of panic. Well, back in Kansas, instead of here in around Idaho, we have zip trips. All right, convenience stores. Back in Kansas, it's called a quick trip. So it's late at night, nine o'clock at night or so, and I get this panicked phone call. What well, was one of her alters? And this alter was young enough to not drive. Okay, so we're talking Mimi. And I said, okay, and she was panicked, and she says, I'm, I'm here, and I, I don't know how to drive, and I, I have to get home. It's late, and I'm going, uh, okay, who is this? And she tells me, and I'm going, and she "And everybody's staring at me, and, and, and you see when an altar is scared, they can't go inside the mind and let, let the body, let the host, let the big girl, Annette, come out. All right, and so she's totally scared, totally flipped out, can't go in, in back into the mind, and um, so and she's like, oh, like thirty or forty miles, not probably thirty miles away from me. All right, and I'm thinking, okay, what do we do here? What do we do here? I said, okay, so so Mimi, this is what I want you to do. I want you to turn around and face the brick wall. Okay, she can do that. So she turns around and she faces the brick wall. And um, I mean, this is a God thing. He's telling me what to tell her because I didn't know what to do. And um, and she faces the wall, and she, um, I says, "Now, just can you? Is anybody looking at you?" She says, "No, no one's looking at me right now." And so we just kind of went through and calmed her down and deep breaths and all of that. And finally, she was able to go in. And then I and then Annette made the switch, and Annette, uh, the body came out. And she wanted to know where she was, and we said, and then she was able to drive home. So, I mean, we found humor. I and mean, we weren't laughing that night, but we can laugh at it now. One Another story about Thanksgiving? Well,
2: this is what told, was told to me, that I locked myself into my room because my daughter was cooking Thanksgiving at our house. She was living with us at that time. And I remember when I was a little girl, my mom had put Thanksgiving in the oven. We came home from school, and there was smoke all over the house, and the turkey was burning. So when Teresa puts the turkey on in the middle of the night, it scared the alters because they smelled it cooking, so they got up and turned the turkey off. Yeah. Because they didn't want smoke in the house. So uh, naturally we're gonna be frightened. It's a, it's a memory from childhood. Exactly. So they didn't want smoke in the house, they turned the turkey off. Teresa gets up and hollers, Who turned the turkey off? So of course one of the altars got triggered and came out, so but locked herself in the bedroom.
1: And I, I didn't get a, come out. Yeah, I get a phone call and on Thanksgiving Day because there was no turkey and the altar was scared. So we talked through that one too and we they were able to have their turkey dinner, but it was a little late
2: with the live with the <laughs> they were gonna take pills,
1: yeah, yeah, because the turkey got turned off, and uh, Teresa and
2: was kind of rough sounding my daughter she uh she uh
1: scared him, yeah, and she, I guess
2: she didn't know what was going on, no. they didn't know what was going exactly. on exactly
1: <laughs> the confusion, you know, the confusion and all of this chaos. Um, creates, but again, it wasn't funny then. But we can laugh but about now. it now um, because we all lived through it. My daughter and I now have a wonderful relationship together. So yeah, and it is. It's a. It's a, It's nice, and so we can laugh about it. And,
2: and it wasn't my daughter's fault that we
1: didn't have a no. relationship. It was. It was my fault. Right. Well, it was the. It was. It was was the the abuse. abuse. It was the dysfunction. It was the abuse. So next week, you know, we're looking forward to spending time with you next Friday at 11 o'clock Pacific time. And we're going to talk about how Annette was healed because we're talking in past tense. And and we're going to have a live guest.
2: We're going to talk about her.
1: We're gonna yeah we're gonna talk about the live guest but we're real, real quickly we're going to talk about how how God integrated all of these and I do want to
2: tell you one one thing that I remember is when we were in your office how God would talk to me God would talk to me in a prayer and he would talk he would every time I closed my eyes and would go to prayer with God he would show me a big room with a recliner yeah the one
1: thing This is where I'm going to get emotional. That's okay. The one thing my dad never did was hold me. Her dad never Never held her. Never held me in
2: a recliner, which i so craved. So God gave me a recliner
1: and held me in my prayers. And that's part of her healing. And we'll talk about that next week. God holding her in a recliner in healing her mind from all those fragmented parts. You can check us out on Facebook.com forward slash. God's girl 7, twitter.com forward slash God's 7, email house 7 at gmail.com, and remember the suicide hotline, 1-800-273-8255, and our phone number after, um, when we're not live, 208-962-7384. Hey, we'll be, li- we'll be listing for you to be listing for us next Friday, 11 o'clock pacific time. Thank you for joining us, and may God bless you this coming week. He's blessed us with
0: you. Thank you for being here this week. Be sure to join hosts Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher for another edition of Abadadi Girls Speak Out, next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy the upcoming weekend.